Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries Podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kiev, Ukraine. This is a missionary podcast dedicated to multiplying disciple making movements internationally. Our vision is to finish the disciple making movement that Jesus started and passed to his disciples. Our mission is to engage, to establish, to equip, and to empower believers internationally to start their own disciple-making movements among family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and local churches. Our values include being biblical, incarnational, relational, transformational, reproducible, faith-driven, prayer-driven, process-driven, principle-driven, kingdom-driven, and Holy Spirit-driven. Our services arise out of our spiritual gift set of teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, and apostleship. We're glad that you joined our show, and we would like to get to know you better. So drop us a note to introduce yourself and let us know from where you're listening. We welcome ideas for future show topics and guest speakers. We are reaching for excellence, so leave us some feedback on our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave us a voicemail message on our telephone line at area code 214-377-1107. You may indicate there if you'd like your voice message to be included in future podcast episodes. I'll return in just a few moments with today's main topic. Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kiev, Ukraine. We're so glad you joined us today. We're having an exciting time here. We're in this series called The Essentials of Disciple Making, and we want to give you some essentials for your discipleship toolbox. Last time we started out to sharing about what it means to have an essential. An essential is something that is absolutely necessary, absolutely basic and fundamental and of the greatest importance to life. You simply cannot live without the essentials. In the physical world, three essentials are air, water, and food. Without air, a person can live only about three minutes. And without water, a person can live only about three days. And without food, a person can live only about three weeks. We acknowledge that there are many parallels between uh, the physical world and the spiritual world. Just as air, water, and food are essentials in the physical world, so are faith, hope, and love essentials in the spiritual world. Well, last time we talked about the essential of faith in disciple-making. If you're going to make disciples out there, it's going to take great faith. It's going to take faith to engage somebody in conversation. It's going to take faith to take them through some kind of a process of discipleship. It's going to take faith to uh, pray for them and to help them to mature and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you're probably thinking that if we started with the essential of faith, then today we're going to talk about the, one of the essentials of hope or love. But this week, the Lord led me to something different. The Lord led me to the essential of prayer. I don't know how anyone could ever disciple a group or a person without prayer. 
Now, I personally believe that every follower of Christ needs a plan, a process, and some principles for practical discipleship. But when it comes to making disciples, having a plan, a process, and principles is not enough. You have to have great faith and you have to have prayer. Faith is the key to the power of discipleship and prayer is the key to the process of discipleship. So after a short break, we'll come back to discuss how Jesus used prayer in his process of making disciples. The Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome back to the show. In this section, I'd like to dive into the prayer life of Jesus. You know, we can learn a lot about the essential of prayer by the example of Jesus himself. Jesus was an effective prayer warrior, and he had many lessons to share with his disciples. It is interesting to note that the disciples never asked Jesus how to preach, but instead they asked Jesus how to pray. So today I have five principles that Jesus used in his prayer life to encourage us today in ours. The first principle that Jesus followed regarding prayer is that Jesus regularly prayed. Jesus was always withdrawing from the crowds to spend time with the Heavenly Father. Mark 1.35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke 5.16 says, But he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. It seemed like every day he was withdrawing from the crowd and going out and spending time alone with God. If you're going to be a successful disciple maker, you're going to have to spend time alone with the Father in prayer. A second principle of prayer that Jesus used was that he prayed for the kingdom of God to come and for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I point your attention to Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 where Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 41 through 42, Jesus said, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The point is that if you're going to be a powerful prayer warrior like Jesus, you're going to have to pray for God's will to be done, not your own will. 
A third principle of prayer that Jesus used was that he prayed for his disciples that God would protect them from the evil one and that God would sanctify them in truth. In John chapter 17 verses 13 through 18, it reads like this. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The point is that if you're going to be a powerful prayer warrior and a disciple maker, you're going to have to learn how to pray for your disciples, pray for their protection from the evil one, and pray that God would sanctify them in the truth. Pray that they might be delivered from all the lies and deceptions and the areas of their lives that are hindering them from being more powerful disciples. A fourth powerful prayer principle that Jesus used was that he prayed both before and after strategic events. For example, in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, we read, In these days Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, Jesus didn't make a mistake by choosing Judas. Instead, he was fulfilling that which was written in the scriptures. And in Luke 22, verses 39 through 46, we read, And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not to my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray, that you may not enter into temptation." This was one of the major events in Jesus' life, going to the cross to redeem humanity. And what do you find him doing? You find him praying to the Father. You find him receiving strength from heaven. You find him obeying the plan of God. You find him encouraging his disciples to pray earnestly like he was praying earnestly. All these strategic events required a deep spiritual prayer life. The fifth powerful prayer principle that Jesus used was that he prayed with thanksgiving, he prayed with purpose, and he prayed with power. Let me read some verses to illustrate this. In John chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, it reads like this. 
There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, so that nothing may be lost. This first point about powerful prayer in Jesus' life is that Jesus always is found to be praying prayers of thanksgiving. Jesus was always giving thanks even before the miracle had taken place. That's a powerful prayer principle for disciple makers today. We need to be giving thanks to God for the powerful result that we believe God is going to do before it is even realized in the physical realm. Next, let's read John chapter 11 verses 41 through 43. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The principle that we learn from this passage is that Jesus used prayer as a way to teach his disciples. This was a teaching method for him. He was teaching them about faith. He was teaching them about spiritual power. He was teaching them about purpose. Jesus was teaching them about thankfulness. And interestingly, I repeat that the disciples never asked to learn from Jesus how to preach. They asked to learn how to pray. This leads us to the next verse, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. When the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus answered, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. It was Dwight L. Moody that once noted that the disciples never asked Jesus to show them how to preach. Learning how to pray with power is what the disciples really wanted to learn. Even John, who was the nearest to Jesus, needed to learn how to pray with power. You and I, too, as disciple-makers, need to learn how to pray with the same power. You know, for almost 2,000 years, this prayer has been mislabeled as the Lord's Prayer. It's not as if Jesus needed to pray this prayer. In fact, it's the other way around. This prayer should be labeled the Disciples' Prayer, for this is the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Now I would like to summarize this prayer of Jesus into seven realms. The first realm that I'd like to mention is the realm of relationship. Jesus started out this prayer describing the relationship he had with his heavenly Father. He said, Our Father in heaven. In order to pray powerfully, you've got to have a living relationship with the heavenly Father. The second realm of prayer that Jesus mentions here is respect. Hallowed be your name. 
If you want to have powerful prayer, it will have to come out of this relationship of respect. A third realm of powerful prayer that Jesus used in this disciples' prayer is the idea of kingdom. Jesus said, your kingdom come and your will be done. As disciple makers, you must understand that you are part of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom has a king who presides over everything in the kingdom. And your goal, your purpose in your life is to promote the principles of that kingdom. That leads us to the fourth realm of powerful prayer that mentioned in this passage. That fourth realm is called resolve. Resolve means the principles that Jesus has called us to fulfill in his kingdom. It reads like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One thing we disciple makers need to understand is that there is a disconnect between God's will in heaven and God's will on earth. And as disciple makers, we are to pray for God's will to be done on earth. A fifth realm of powerful prayer I call requirements. We find this in verse 11 where it says, Give us this day our daily bread. For powerful prayer, we need to pray for God to provide our daily needs. Now, we are not talking about our desires. And we are not talking about selfish things that we would like to see in our life. No, we are talking about our daily needs. God promises to give us our daily needs as we work out his kingdom principles in this earth. A sixth principle of powerful prayer in this passage is restoration, both vertical and horizontal. We read in verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In this passage, you see vertical forgiveness, God forgiving us of our debts, and you also see horizontal forgiveness as we forgive our debtors. God is a God of reconciliation, and if you want to have powerful prayers as a disciple-maker, you too should be praying for reconciliation. A seventh principle of powerful prayer that Jesus promoted was release from spiritual bondage. In verse 13, we read, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this verse, we find that Jesus wants us to pray powerfully for release from temptation and bondage to evil. This means that we are to be involved in engaging our disciples to release them from the bondages that are in their lives. So there you have it. Seven principles of powerful prayer found in this passage in the disciples' prayer. I repeat them. Number one, relationship. Number two, respect. Number three, result. Number four, resolve. Number five, requirements. Number six, restoration. And number seven, release. This is a powerful prayer that only Jesus could have taught his disciples. It is our desire here at Disciple Making Ministries that you too would follow the example of Jesus' powerful prayer principles. Incorporate these into your life so that you can have much spiritual fruit, so that you can increase your inheritance, so that you can have an impact in the disciples that God has sent to you to minister to. And now we're going to take another short break. 
to the show. In this segment, we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer. I'm sure many of you out there have experienced some time in your life when your prayers have not been answered. Now, what is a hindrance? A hindrance is something that interferes with an action or progress. A hindrance is something that is like an obstruction. Other synonyms can be a restriction, an impediment, an interference, or an encumbrance. Did you know that Jesus and his apostles had times when their prayers and miracles were hindered? I read from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How did such mighty works be done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. 
and he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now this is an amazing story. This is a time when Jesus could not do any miracles there in his hometown because of the unbelief among his fellow family and townsmen. Likewise, there may be people in your life that are hindering your prayers from being answered due to their lack of belief. And the apostles also experienced a time when their prayers were hindered and they could not cast out demons. I read in Matthew chapter 17 verses 14 through 20. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he stutters terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. At this time, the apostles could not perform the miracle because they were the ones who lacked the faith. They had not combined prayer with fasting in faith. Now there's a whole list of things that can hinder your prayers. Of course, the first thing that's going to hinder your prayers is if you are not a believer, if you're not a child of God, if you're not a child of the King, then there's no reason for him to answer your prayers. Have you confessed your sins? Have you turned to Jesus for salvation? Have you believed and received the free gift that he has given you? If not, then don't expect for him to answer your prayers. Now, a second hindrance to prayer in your life is sin. Are you living with some unconfessed sin? Are you living with a concealed sin? Are you living without having a pure heart? All of these will be barriers, will be blocks, will be like brick walls between you and answered prayer. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to confess your sin and receive the healing, and then you will experience the answered prayers. A third hindrance to answered prayer is unforgiveness. Now, Jesus teaches us to forgive not seven times, but or 70 times seven. Who do you need to forgive? You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive those around you. If you do not forgive others, then Jesus uh, will not answer your prayers. A fourth hindrance to prayer is doubting. When you pray, are you expecting to receive the thing that you're praying for? Or is there something deep down inside you that is not quite sure? In James, it tells us, the person who doubts should not expect anything from the Lord. A fifth hindrance to prayer is simply that many of you never do ask. You lose heart and you give up. You do not wait for God's perfect timing to answer your prayers. You have to ask in order to receive an answer. You have to seek in order to find. You have to knock in order for the door to be opened unto you. This takes work. Are you willing to put in the effort to ask, seek, and knock for the thing that God has called you to pray for? A sixth hindrance to prayer is not praying in Jesus' name. 
If you don't pray in Jesus' name, then you're not praying underneath the authority of the one who taught his disciples to pray in his name. There's power and authority in the name of Jesus, and Jesus wants us to use that authority here on earth. Now, a seventh hindrance to prayer being answered is not praying in God's will. Many believers out there today want to pray that their will would be done instead of God's will being done. Lord, give me a bigger bank account. Lord, bless me with a larger house. Lord, give me a better job. Well, these are all good things. However, they may not be part of God's will for your life right now at this moment. God may have some other kingdom purposes that he wants to fulfill through you at this time. Now, an eighth hindrance to answered prayer is pride or haughtiness. Pride causes us to trust in ourselves rather than trusting in God. Now tell me, why should God answer a prayer done out of personal pride? For God to answer prayers, you have to give him a proper reason to answer those prayers. Now a ninth hindrance to answered prayer is disobedience. How in the world can you expect God to answer your prayer for something in the future if you have disobeyed something that he's asked you to do in the past? There's a lot of you out there who are waiting for God to give you a calling when you haven't even fulfilled the last calling that he gave you. You should not expect God to answer someone who is living in disobedience. Another hindrance to answered prayer is not praying in agreement with God or not praying in agreement with others. When there is disunity between you and God, or disunity between you and others, that hinders and blocks the effectiveness of your prayer life. One area of application of this principle is found in the marriage and family life. Another area is in your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Disunity in the church can also block effective answered prayer. God is pleased when his people are living together in unity, in community. Now, an eleventh hindrance to answered prayer is wrong motives. Are you praying out of selfishness? Are you praying out of ambition? Are you praying out of a desire for pleasure or a desire for honor or for power or for riches? If your heart is filled with your own selfish desires and wrong motives, then do not expect God to answer those kinds of prayers. For God answers prayers that promote his kingdom principles. Now, a twelfth hindrance to answered prayer is not giving tithes and offerings, or not helping the poor, or not being merciful. Now, God has a real heart for the needy, for the orphans, for the widows, for the poor, for the disadvantaged, for the foreigner. If you as a believer are neglecting the heart issues of God, then do not expect him to answer your prayers. Now, a thirteenth hindrance to effective prayer is idolatry. There are many Christians who are living in idolatry. Now, they may not have statues sitting on top of their fireplace mantle, but they have things in their lives that have uh, captured their attention and that distract them away from their devotion to God. 
This may be some possession. It may be a video game. It may be a relationship. It may be a hobby. There are many things that can become idols that distract us from living with God. How can you determine if there's an idol in your life? Take a look at your bank account. Take a look at your schedule. Take a look at your relationships that you have. Take a look at your priorities in life. These are pretty good indicators of what is most important to you. A fourteenth thing that can hinder your prayers, especially for husbands, is not treating your wife properly. There are direct verses in the Bible that say if uh, you are not treating your wife well, then your prayers will be hindered. God instituted the family to be a unified unit, and he loves when the family is living together in unity. A fifteenth hindrance to answered prayer is vain repetition. Now, there are many Christians out there that think if they just repeat words over and over, or if they sing something out loud in front of a crowd, that their prayers will be answered. Now, Jesus warns us about praying as a hypocrite with many words, and Jesus instructs us when we pray to go in our inner room, and he will reward those of us who pray in secret. A sixteenth thing that will hinder your prayers from being answered is if you have a feeling of entitlement, like God has to answer your prayers because of something that you're doing. For example, you may go to church and feel that God has to answer your prayers because you're faithful in tithing or Bible reading or doing some good act. Well, God does not answer prayer because of our deeds. God answers prayer out of our relationship with Jesus Christ and out of his kingdom principles. A seventeenth reason why your prayers may not be answered is because you are not realizing the power of prayer. You are failing to live by the strength and the power that God has given you. You don't believe that your prayers will be answered. You don't understand the power that your prayers have to affect things in the spiritual world as well as in the physical world. Satan knows the power of prayer, and Satan is afraid of your prayers. Many of you are avoiding praying against Satan. Now, an eighteenth and the last hindrance to answered prayer that I'm going to list today is being ungrateful. God loves a cheerful person who gives thanks for all the things that he's done. Lack of praise, lack of thanksgiving, a complaining and a critical spirit will hinder your prayers from being answered. Now, we've had a long list of things that hinder answered prayer. Which of these in this list applies to you? Which one of these do you need to repent of? Which of these do you need to overcome? Which of these do you need to get rid of so that you can have more powerful prayers? So that you're, you will be able to influence those around you. So that you will be able to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll return in just a few moments with our final segment of today's show. I'd like to take a few moments to share about a growing toolbox of products and services here at Disciple Making Ministries. We're excited about how God has been expanding both our audience and our ministry. We maintain a free website and weekly podcast show to help people like you start your own disciple-making movements. We're translating discipleship curriculum into multiple languages for free on our website. 
We're hosting a Disciple Makers social networking group on Facebook so that you can care and share with one another. We're training Disciple Makers through a 12-week seminar entitled The Plan, Process, and Principles of Making Disciples. That seminar can be taken either online or in a local venue. We offer ongoing personal discipleship coaching or mentoring relationships through the internet. We're also looking to expand our toolbox of curriculum and resources into additional languages. We're looking to start a program for disciple trainee affiliates. We're looking to build a media studio to produce quality discipleship videos in multiple languages. We value people and partnerships that promote kingdom progress. So, if you're interested in helping us reach our vision of finishing the disciple-making movement that Jesus started, then visit our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org. You may also reach us through our telephone at area code 214-377-1107. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the final segment of our show. Today, I'd like to end with three pieces of practical advice for disciple makers in their prayer life. And then I would like to share a story about praying for my disciples this week. The first piece of advice that I'd like to share with you today is disciple makers must give God some good reasons to answer their prayers. You see, God answers prayers that acknowledge his character and his honor and his glory and his sovereignty. God answers prayers that are consistent with the will of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God answers prayers that are based on the word of God itself. So use that sword of the Spirit in your praying. God answers prayers that are geared towards advancing his kingdom causes. God answers prayers that produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God answers prayers for encouraging boldness in witnessing. God answers prayers for reconciliation, for righteousness, for wisdom, for truth, for faithfulness. And God answers prayers that promote Jesus' great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you disciple-makers out there, give God some good reasons to answer your prayers. The second piece of advice that I'd like to uh, share with you today is that you disciple-makers out there must remember to constantly be asking seeking, and knocking. A good disciple-maker is asking God all the time. He's asking God for spiritual power. He's asking God for relationships. He's asking God for guidance. A good disciple-maker is always seeking. He's seeking out new relationships. He's seeking out the will of the Father. He's seeking out opportunities to share the gospel. He's seeking out new ways to teach biblical truth. And a good disciple-maker is always knocking. You see, you have to knock on some doors for a long time before they're opened. Disciple-making is not something that's automatic. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of perseverance. 
It takes a lot of knocking on the doors. Be like the woman that Jesus described in the parable, the woman who went to the judge at night and kept knocking on that door. The judge did not want to let her in, but because of the constant persistence of the knocking, he finally opened the door and granted her request. A third piece of advice that I want to give you disciple makers out there today is that you must be constantly praying for your disciples. Pray for God to empower them with boldness. Pray for God to deliver them from the sinful influences in their life. Pray for God to protect them from spiritual forces of evil. Pray for God to teach them, to correct them, to train them in righteousness. Pray for their spiritual growth and maturity. Pray for their daily needs. Pray for them to grow to the point that they too are making their own disciples. Now this week in one of my small home discipleship groups, God reminded me of these principles of needing to pray for my disciples. One of my friends in this group is from a Muslim background, and he recently learned that his residency permit is expiring. And he's afraid to go back to his country because he will most certainly be hunted down and murdered there for his Christian faith. So I spent a great bit of time this week sitting down with this person and just praying for God to give him strength, for God to give him protection, for God to remind him of the weapons of his spiritual warfare, for God to give him power, for God to give him wisdom in what to do next, for God to open the doors of opportunity that he can go and find where he's going to live next. Another friend of mine from another Muslim country who is also a believer in Jesus sent me a text message this week. He said that he was going through a lot of struggles and he was having difficulty sleeping. And so I prayed for him. I sent him a text message back claiming the promises of God. I prayed for God to give him the peace that surpasses all understanding. I prayed for God to give him rest. I prayed for God to deliver him from evil. So the point of me sharing these stories with you today is that you need to pray in the power of God. You need to overcome those hindrances to your prayer life. Well, I hope this episode today has encouraged you, has strengthened you, and taught you some practical lessons about the essential of prayer and disciple-making. I appreciate you joining the show, and I hope you will come back next week. Well, thanks for joining our show today. If you have any questions about our topic, if you have any comments or suggestions about our ministry, if you have any ideas for future topics or guest speakers, if you'd like to sign up for one of our seminars, If you'd like to download our free discipleship resources, or if you'd like to sponsor or advertise in these podcasts, then start a dialogue with us at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave a message at area code 214-377-1107. We appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and we appreciate your sharing the news about our podcast show with your family and friends. This is your host, David Spirit, signing off for now from Kyiv, Ukraine.